without giving details, I mean, I had my life threatened more than once. Oh, that'll do it. That'll, that'll push you over the edge. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. Um, Did you peel out of the parking lot burning rubber? (laughs) Well, I had to get on a train, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a train's even better. You can jump cars, you know, and keep looking behind you. Here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, hey, it's springtime in the USA. Are we feeling it? Are we feeling it, brothers and sisters? Time to wake up and enjoy this weather. Hey, before we get rolling on today's show, uh, don't forget to Please forward this to a friend, this episode. There'll be something in here that somebody you know will find very valuable. So let's get into it, shall we? We're going to go up to Mamaroneck, New York today. When you listen into the song within you, you will find the dreams in your heart. When I was in the deepest of depression after accomplishing what I was told were my dreams, I was ready to give up. How could these be my dreams if they are making me so miserable? I didn't understand why they were given to me. Also, I was not listening to my heart. So you better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride up the Northeast Coast to Mamaroneck, New York from the Music City to visit with Debbie Cruz. I want to congratulate you, Debbie, on your book, Soul Meets Body, uh, oh, on Amazon right now. Yeah, um, this is I'm I'm taking it that this has been a somewhat of a recent uh, publication. Is that correct? It's not that recent. It came out in um, the beginning of 2021, or yeah, like around now, 2021. So it's not that recent. Um, I'm trying to work on more marketing tactics to gain more followers to gain more of uh, an audience to purchase the book and get it some good numbers. But um, I'm also trying to working with a, an entertainment company. And so with that, I, I'm hoping to get that into a screenplay and might be one of the productions that we're looking to, to gain some investors for. So Fantastic. Congratulations. That's a uh, that's a big, um, you know, accomplishment. And it's a, it's a really big thing to take on, too. So uh, I wish you all the best of success. And hopefully we can help you here on podcasting your global career and really get some uh, traction for you. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So the book is out and t- take us um, down the trail of Soul Meets Body. I found your resume and your bio really fascinating. Oh, um, <laughs> I found a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, myself in there. And uh, many entrepreneurs, uh, I'm sure, have traveled that road, that tough, bumpy road um, that continues to throw everything in the kitchen sink and then some in your way, uh, trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve. 
So why don't we start with um, Soul Meets Body, Six Degrees of You. Can you explain that subtitle for us? Sure. Uh, so Soul Meets Body is actually uh, from a song by Death Cab for Cutie called Great Soul song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. So you know it. That's good. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a fan. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like their stuff. I don't. I get a, a little upset sometimes with artists when you kind of dig a little more and then, you know, they try to get all political on you and you're like, oh, I really like you. Don't, don't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't really I don't can't really get into a lot of their newer stuff, but I like some of their older anyway. Um, so I when I write, I, I always have like a, just a really small playlist of a few songs. And that song was just really deep. Um on my on my heart and uh I went into writing it in six degrees of you because I feel like we're all so connected and there's no coincidences of meeting somebody or why why somebody's in your life and um I just felt like it was appropriate because soul meets body it's really just understanding your purpose of who you are and your connections and really utilizing um what god gave you to uh, understand your soul like in this body if that makes sense um and you know it was just connections with some people in my life at that time that i needed to um figure out and really was given some hard truths about myself and not um really seeing things from a different point of view so I felt like it was a spiritual journey for sure. And uh, I just wanted to capture it, looking at, at it through somebody else's eyes. So you said it was a spiritual journey. Has something happened to um, uh, to end that journey, that particular one, and begin a new one? Or are you still on the, the same journey? Uh, I mean, I, I think that the journey just continues. I don't, you know, think we ever get that opportunity to jump off. I mean, we're all, we get lulls, you know, you take little breaks, I think, but I learned so much from writing that book and the meaning of it. And, you know, people that in real life were mirrored off of these characters and just what, how it's changed me in relationships and really um, trying to look at things as a bigger picture and not just always being a victim and, you know, looking at it that way and realizing, you know, the person that I had in mind while writing it, you know, just realizing um, we all have gifts and talents and it's if you want to use them or not. And unfortunately in, in real life, um, that person just doesn't want to see their gifts and talents and utilize it and just continues to punish himself um, and that's his journey, you know, like that's something he has to deal with. And, you know, he was excited that, you know, kind of used him as my muse, so to say, <laughs> for yeah. the book, but, um, and got to see some true truths in himself. I mean, the story is made up, but, you know, when you know that it's a reflection of stuff that came from you, um, it was interesting to to feel some of that. So. Uh, I, I think my journey is never over. And right now, you know, I am in a, a bit of a frustration place of um, just not staying in the trust and not staying in 
every, you know, that faith of it, God's always taking care of you and you got to just go through it and let him do his work. And I, I, I need that reminder to constantly stay in trust with him and, and how my words are very effective of, you know, putting a negative connotation to things that I need, I, you know, I've been working on. So right now that's where my journey <laughs> is, is really focusing on, on what I'm saying and how I'm articulating things because it could be taken the wrong way and it could have a negative connotation and I really need to change that. And that comes from my thoughts and, and really staying in line with God and my soul purpose of that reminder of, you know, you're in charge and I'm here to glorify you. I need to stop being negative and feel like things aren't going to work out or happen for me. So. Yeah. I think we all get that from time to time. Um, even the people with the most, um, you know, you'd think they'd have the most ironclad faith, uh, but everybody gets shaken from time to time, you know, and it's uh, it's a hard life to um, to navigate the challenges, especially when they get stacked up one on top of another, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like, wow, I just had the week from from hell. What happened here? You know, it's like if I have one more disappointment in the next couple of days, I think I'm going to scream. Um, I love what you did with your name, Debbie Krasuski, and it's Debbie Cruz. What a cool name, K-R-U-S-Z. <laughs> yes. I, I love that. So <laughs> you, you grew up and you're still in, in Westchester, New York? Yes, I live in Mamaroneck. Um, I grew up here and I've stayed here. I went to local college as well. Um, I stayed home for some family reasons and, you know, continue to be close to my family as People are getting older and, you know, things are getting a little scary. So try to enjoy every moment while you have it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's funny to be like, I see that you were in the corporate world as so many people have been that I've interviewed and then decided this is really not for me. Um, and when was it that you decided, hey, I've been doing this for a while and I just don't, you know, you said you had like zero fulfillment, like your insides were just not being satisfied. So what were the circumstances like when this led you to like a new type of life, a new type of career? And like, where were you working? And if you want to share that, and then what what happened? Was it a cataclysmic moment? Was it like just turn on a dime? Or was it something that built for a long time? And then it just finally, you know, the dam broke and you said, that's it. How did that go for you? Well, I felt like I was always listening. I never had my visions for me never matched what everybody else's visions were, you know, and, and, and if I ever or shared what I was feeling or thinking I would get shot down right away. So I had so much doubt in my life because my, my relationship with God was different and no, I couldn't find somebody that also related to that or could see the way I see it. So, you know, I would question when I would get messages you know, or signs and symbols, you know, I would be either made fun of or dismissed or, you know, none of that works. And it kind of, you know, followed through as I must be wrong. Like I just completely must be wrong because I can't get any um, clarification or anybody that 
is hearing my word. I feel invisible. I feel like I don't exist. And I'm just a Pavlov dog going, waiting for that bell to ring. So I, you know, I had a different plan for school. I was going away uh, to college and I was going to be a dancer and minor in business. And we had some family issues. So I stayed at home for school and I went to business school and, you know, you get to a, a small college, which is now a university. So we're very excited for that. <laughs> But back then it was like, okay, you were, these are your options. You're going to become an accountant. You're going to become a school teacher or a cop. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to do any of that. So I stayed in the business school because I felt like that was still part of what I wanted to do. And I focused on business management. And then, you know, I was told to get a job that made a lot of money. And, you know, the more money you have, it'll be happiness. And again, I'm like, not my dream, but hey, I must be wrong. So I just followed along. And then it was like, no, get a fancier title because that's where the money is. And that's where you'll be happy. And I'm like, I don't believe that, but sure. And I worked my way all the way up to a CEO position and it couldn't have been worse. Like the money changed a lot of how I, I did things. Like it was easy to throw dollars at something that you didn't want to deal with or you know, oh, well, uh, you know, I can always just buy another outfit. I don't, you know, I don't need to go to the cleaners. I'll just buy another outfit or I don't need to cook. I can order in. I could, you know, like it was things that took away from who you were. People, you know, treated you differently, you know, because you had, you had money and it was like, sure, I'll treat everybody to dinner. Sure. Let's go on this trip. You, you know, you you were just became a, a money figure and people weren't really appreciating who you were. I wasn't appreciating who I was. Um, the, the job came, it was a very hard position of the leadership was asked to leave uh, for a lot of <laughs> illegal suspect, which is, if it's true or not, I don't know it. And now that I know a little bit more years later, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> But I was standing in, um, carrying a, a lots of empty high-end spots. And, you know, there's a lot of ugly decisions that needed to be made. And I wanted, uh, I just was making ugly choices that were not my choices. It was dictated from, uh, you know, you're always, there's always somebody above you, right? And um, I was just felt like I was going to die. I really did. I felt like I was going to, I was not living I was just mimicking every day and I felt like I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke or something that, or get into an accident or something. I felt like I was going to die. And I'm like, I know that this isn't my life and I know this isn't what I want. And this has never been my dream. This has always been a dream somebody's told me to have. So let me ask you, let me ask you, sure. where did these, um, where did this influence uh, come from? That was, you know, you you kept saying you you're, you've been saying that I was pushed into this and I was influenced into this. So where did these uh, decision makers come from? Was it family or like like how did this family, happen? Yeah, family. And then you're you know you're in an environment where everybody is like kind of bought into it of like yeah okay so I'll either be an accountant or a cop whatever I'm fine with that. You know everybody around me is doing it and that's it's I'm like I don't it just never felt me. It just, none of that felt like 
I was in a place where, oh my gosh, I belong here. And this is where I should really be. And I guess I have a lot of great friends. I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, I, I don't want my friends or my family. I mean, I love all of them. I have a lot of, lots of friends. I just never felt comfortable with my, just who I was because I wasn't who I wanted to be. So do you feel that um, that influence, it, it it probably came from a source of what they felt was a heartfelt good for Debbie to do this. But I mean, at some point you must have known or figured out that this was just their paradigm operating what they've been taught. And right. it's just like they're influencing you by just repeating, like you referenced Pavlov's dogs or Pavlov's law of, you know, you, you, you hear something, you memorize it, and you repeat it without question. And uh, I've experienced some of this myself, a lot of this myself in my younger years. You just, um, you're conditioned somehow, and you take that as a truth, yet it's not your truth. It's someone else's truth. And then you, you just, you're expected to live by that. And uh, we don't know, I think, that we actually have to give ourselves permission to crawl out of that and say, no, nah, I think I'm going to decide for myself what's good for me. So it sounds like you did that at some point. And, and when, when was that? Was that you were still in corporate and then you just decided, I'm going to shift now? Well, I, you know, I prayed to God. I, I was like, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die doing this and live, you know, leave at this point you know, with where I was in my life, if, if, if it was God's choice, then fine. I would under, accept and understand it. But I'm like, I don't feel like it. And I'm like, God, I just t- tell me what to do. Like I was surrendering to you. Tell me what to do. And I heard a voice that said, I want you to leave and I want you to write. And I just want you to start writing. And I did. I, and at the times before that God had spoke to me and I dismissed him because again, I was like, that can't be God because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough for God to speak to me so directly. You know, I thought it was just a voice guiding me to do something that felt crazy and I didn't do it. And, you know, I realized that though that was God talking to me and I'm like, I promised him, I said, the next time I hear you in that strength and in that voice, whatever it is, I will do it. And, and that was when he spoke to me and I was like, I I'm doing it. And you know, everybody thought I was insane and crazy, um, but I did it. And, you know, there are really hard times <laughs> where you're like, why? Maybe I should go back and do go just get a job again and, you know, live that lifestyle. But no, you know, God is keeps directing me to, to just continue this mission. And, you know, I gear off and try to do something else. And then it's like, well, why isn't it working out? Oh, because God told me to be writing and not to be doing all these other things. So it's a constant, you know, you're in a constant reminder of what did God tell you? It, it was simple. Just do what he told you and let him take care of the rest. And, you know, I, it, I don't want to ever go backwards for sure, but I need that constant reminder of, you know, God is in control and I need to just stay in that trust with him and, and continue to write. Yeah. So, um, it was interesting. You're bringing up an interesting memory for me when I first, um, completely changed careers. Um, I had coffee with this woman who, um, was, was sort of attempting to do the same thing. 
And she, she shared with me that, you know, she went on to be a solopreneur like I had been doing for about a year or two, I guess. And she said, you know, I tried this and she said, I, I lasted two weeks <laughs> because it was, it was so isolated for her and it was so lonely and you know it, it 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 there is a huge amount of difficulty when you undertake this type of thing this solopreneur because um you're you're kind of on your own until you start to establish some friendships some associations some people who are in the same world that you are in so uh i i think that's one of the harder parts of this is you're not only trying to figure out where the hell you belong but <laughs> But you're also all by yourself, you know, at least if you're in a corporation or a structured job, it's like, I have the schedule. I get in the car at 7.15 every morning. I go here every day. I get the paycheck every Friday. You know, it's also, um, it's, it's also regimented that you almost uh, can fall into a pattern of, I don't ever um, question. I just roll with it and... You know, we, we end up doing that for like years on end, even though, like you said, there was something disturbing about this. You were just not feeling like this is where you really belong. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I, I totally fell into that trap of, you know, get up. You, I was just going through motions and it was horrible. There was a lot of things going on at the job that were very uncomfortable and and it was stuff that happened before I got there, but having to deal with it, that really put me in a place of, I'm, I don't want to be here. Um, can you, can you share with us uh worst experience in corporate America without, you know, tipping your hat hand about any names or any, any company names or anything like that, but like the, just in general, the worst experience, like the worst part of, being corporate America, which may have had an influence on you being where you are now. Yeah. Um, without giving details, I mean, I had my life threatened more than once. Oh, and, that'll do it. That'll, yeah. that'll push you over the edge. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. Um, Did you peel out of the parking lot burning rubber? <laughs> well, I had to get on a train, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, a train's even better. You can jump cars, you know, and keep yeah. looking behind you. Yeah. It, um, yeah. The first time I was like that, did he just threaten me? Like, you know, telling me he had a gun in his, in his bag and he wasn't afraid to use it. And my boss was sitting next in the, we were in like cubbies sort of, and he was in the next one. And he knew more about the situation that was going on than I did. He kept me in the dark. Would that be considered a veiled threat? I don't know. Because <laughs> he had it in the bag, he said. <laughs> so. He said he had it in a bag. And I'm like, How do, you know, don't we have to go through security to get in this building? You know, you're trying to remember, you know, what that was hard, especially because it was somebody I really liked. And, you know, yeah. he fortunately got caught doing something. Um, See, that's another thing, Cruz, is, is you, you know, people are putting on their famous you know, false loving smiles in the corporate world all the time for political gain. And you really don't know who they are until, you know, push comes to shove. And it's like, am I getting the promotion and the raise? And I'm going to, I'm going to cut your neck off, you know, cut your head off to get it. 
you know, I have to step on a dead body to do it. I'll, I'll do it. So it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things you never think could happen. You would, you would be in that place because, you know, it's like I'm in a fancy suit in a fancy building in Manhattan. And, you know, why, why, why would this <laughs> happen? But, you know, I'm going to just say, I know that he, there's goodness in him and, I think he fell into a bad situation and he was just reacting. I don't believe in his heart. He, he had it to do it. And, you know, like that's, he had something he has to deal with in his relationship with God. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, don't, wouldn't think about it until you brought <laughs> that thought. And I'm like, yeah, that was pretty bad. Or um, yeah. I think those hard parts is when you unveil things at a job. And that was, you know, part of my job was running large operations and finding people that you really think are good people, finding them doing illegal things or things that are just really morally incorrect. And that hurts, that hurts. And it's like the person, you know, that if you're doing something to somebody that is really painful and upsetting to be like, I can't believe people that work under me feel it's okay to treat this person this way. And, you know, it's, and then, you, you know, when you have to let people go, some for reasons that they need to go, but it's when you're letting people go that, you know, you know, it's like, why am we sitting here? And you know that they can't pay their bills and you know you know what their family situation is and those moments just broke my heart that those are the really really hard parts uh you know letting staff go because they become like your family you know and and it's disappointing when people i i I always say like people can fire themselves right like if you're not performing or you're just not putting into it and you try to I tried to do a whole rehab program, which I did. I was very successful at it of people that were at that level because it broke my heart to fire people. And I was like, you, there's no reason why you should be on the list of somebody who's next to get fired. You know, let's rehab you and working with these people and rehabbing them and realizing how valuable it is to give back to these employees really, um, that's what got me through the day it was being like, I want to stay and do this because I want to do good for people and not dwell on all the, the ugly parts of it. So, so you have the heart of a servant. <clears throat> that's, that's probably the try. motivation that kept you there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, it's a beautiful thing to really have a staff that, you know, you're, they're looking up to you and you have to re- remember that and realize that. And it's, how you treat people and how you give to them what they're not, what they're lacking, you know, give them skill sets or just be a kind ear to listen to them or, you know, speak to them and give them advice. And that is so important. And I I just had a meeting earlier today where we were discussing all of that. Um, You know, you, you, you have to give value and, you know, it, that can be very draining. And, and I think a lot of leaders don't see it that way. You know, yeah. it's, it's climbing up the ladder. It's the more dollars. It's like, no, it's, there's a people here. And I don't, again, I, everybody's connected for a reason. And I really truly believe that. So 
you know, um, I'm grateful to be in that position or, or have been in that position where I was able to help people or to be a voice for them or a guide for them. And, um, you know, there's like, we were talking about what was the most horrible things. And you look at those situations and it's like, if I wasn't here to have a, to be their voice, this would continue like this bad behavior or this illegal behavior would just probably continue. So, you know, I, I think of those people that were being harmed or done wrong against and being able to help them, you know, and, that that those are the rewarding moments of who do you feeling, think this um, feeling good this, about it yeah, yeah. Who, who do you think this book is best for like if you what's what's your what's your target market is it for the corporations or is it for entrepreneurs or is it for both i think it's for both i mean i think it's for people that kind of are lost in their direction of their life or get to that point of why do I wake up every day? You know, why am I here? Or going through a moment of I'm in this bad divorce and it's I'm never going to see past it or or just in a job that makes you miserable. And it, it gives you that faith of, you know, we all are here for a reason and there's a purpose. And once you focus on your sole purpose, you really see the light of, okay, I have this job and I it's miserable. But I brought here to do other things. And once you look at what are those other things and realize that those are on your heart because God gave that to you, then you realize how doors start to open and that he's always taking care of you. And if you just stay in trust with yourself, all of those things come come to fruition when it feels and seems impossible and you think it's not going to work. And, you know, you're you being positive is an attraction for other people to be positive. So I like to think that there, we all come to a moment in our life where we have that brokenness and feel like it's, everything is impossible. And I, I look at people for that to open those doors. And it is, there is a level of entrepreneurialism in that of, Hey, I'm really good at this job and I'm going to take it on. I'm going to go on my own and do it. And then realizing, well, I did it. And it, it didn't fulfill me and, and things didn't go as planned, but I stayed in trust with myself and with God and look at all the beauty that happened after. So, Amen. Debbie, um, best place for people to connect with you, where would you like them to go to reach out to you to say hello? Um, and also your book is on Amazon, which we will put the link in the show notes, but um, any preference on how people should connect to you? Sure. I I try to keep it as simple as possible. I'm pretty active on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, but I'm also, you know, on, on Twitter and I'm sure I'm missing one or two (laughs) and TikTok. Yes. Um, I am working on a whole bunch of new videos, so I hope to come out with a series of those soon. Um, I keep it very simple, all Debbie Cruz, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-C. And my website is the same, DebbieCruz.com. Um, and again, all my handle is, is Debbie Cruz, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-C. Awesome. Such congratulations on the book, Soul Meets Body. Check it out at Amazon. Support Debbie in this endeavor. And Debbie, I just want to uh, wish all of God's blessings on you, your family, and your career moving forward. 
Thank you very much. Another great show. So glad you guys showed up today for podcasting your global career. Please check out all the links in the show notes. My coaching link is in there. Let's uncover your purpose and get a discovery session with me. No obligation. What have you been waiting for? I'm your host for podcasting your global career, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. If wishes were windows, I'd open one and find That freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mysteries Find the key Ride on, ride on We can unlock each other's destiny I taste the breeze of freedom It's tingling on my tongue You and I out on the road We'll stay in your mind I'll take you places